This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. There is one reality. Neither mainstream science nor mainstream religions could do more than give us hints about what our actual reality is because they're both belief systems. One is theistic, one is atheistic. And they're mutually exclusive belief systems, of course, so we're even more confused. But when we include what they have to tell us with the nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent communications we've been receiving from the dead, we get a wonderfully detailed view of what actually is going on. And that view is consistent with both cutting-edge physics, and the gospel teachings of Jesus. How amazing is that? It seems clear to me now that a tremendous effort is being undertaken to get these truths to all of us, and our guest today is yet another example of the way Spirit is going about spreading these truths. Our wonderful guest is Garnet Schulhauser, a Canadian corporate attorney now retired who developed some of the same questions about who he was and what life was all about that trouble all of us. One day he met a homeless man who turned out to be his spirit guide, I love this story, and who beautifully answered all his questions. The result is a great little book called Dancing on a Stamp. I've spent decades reading 200 years of abundant, really abundant afterlife communications. That was my great hobby. And I think this book is a wonderful summary of what actually is going on, and that's high praise from me. Welcome, Garnet. Hi, Roberta. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm delighted to be talking with you. Um, I I spent yesterday reading your book, um, Garnet's book. The first th- the first surprise I had was that you were not the lady on the front. You're actually a man. But um, the 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 whole the reason you called it dancing on a stamp isn't apparent till the end of the book. But what happens in this book is that someone comes up to you and you trust him enough to let him talk to you a little bit, and pretty soon he's talking in your mind. Is that right? That's exactly right, yeah. The first couple times that I met my spirit guide, Albert, um, he appeared physically in the flesh. Um, and then after that, after the first three meetings, then he was just a voice in my head and we communicated by telepathy. So that's how we've been since then. Um, and the, uh, the reason that he uh, appeared in the flesh uh, initially, he told me, was just to sort of gradually introduce himself into my life um, so that I could sort of ease into the conversation because had he just started talking to me as a voice in my head, I probably would have thought I was going crazy. So that was his way of sort of introducing himself into my life, which actually was very effective. Yeah. Um, it, it, but you say other people couldn't see him, you found out later? It, yeah, that's right. It, initially, I thought he was just a, a regular physical person like uh, everyone and else. he smelled. Was. You told him, you have to take a shower if we're going to meet again. I thought that was funny. Yeah, he did smell. He he really played the part of a homeless man. I mean, he was, uh, you know, long, stringy hair and a scraggly beard and dirty clothes that looked like he'd been sleeping in them for weeks. And, yeah, he did smell. So he, he totally played the part, uh, had me totally fooled, and I thought he was just a, a, a regular homeless man 
who, who sort of captivated me uh, when he first met me, uh, and I thought everyone else could see him, but he said, well, no, you know, had other people uh, been walking by, they would have noticed me sitting on a bench apparently by myself. Parking I, I, I was <laughs> yeah. sitting there with him, yeah. Wow. Um, I, I, he said a lot of things that astonished you. You had no experience in this at all? You hadn't done uh, no, I, I, I never con- never contacted my guides before or had any sort of direct communication. Um, and and he, he basically showed up, uh, he, he said, because I'd been asking a lot of questions over the, over the last part of my life, uh, all the big questions that we all ask, like, who am I and why am I here and what happens to me after I die, that, that sort of thing. Everyone asks that at one point or another, and right. I've been asking that a lot. And he, he said, well, I'm, I'm here to answer your questions. And your background was as a Catholic. Yes, I was raised in a very religious Roman Catholic family. Um, we went to church a lot, and we said the family rosary, and, and uh, I, was, I served as an altar boy like a lot of good Catholic boys did. And so it was very strict sort of religion, um, and, and which originated from my mother, who was, uh, who was very religious and was determined to get her husband and uh, five children to heaven even if she had to drag us kicking and screaming. <laughs> right. right. Oh, I know, and, I know how they are. And, and so, but, but as time went on, I, uh, as I, in, into my teen years, I, I began to question a lot of, uh, a lot of the beliefs and dogma of the, of the church. Uh, and by the time I was sort of in my 30s, I had sort of rejected a lot of the stuff because it didn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, and I started searching for a new pa- paradigm to latch onto and uh, was sort of drifting in no man's land for a long time and... Uh, until Albert appeared, and then he had the answers to my questions, the answers that really rang true and made, I, I just knew in my heart that they were right, um, coming from this man. And uh, he implored me to, uh, to, to not only, he, he wasn't there just to answer my questions, he wanted to let everyone else in the world who had similar questions know his answers as well. So that's why he asked me to write this book, Dancing on a Stamp. So um, you hadn't, done research. You hadn't read other afterlife communications. You hadn't tried to understand what life was all about in terms of uh, you know, researching death, death, that sort of thing. You hadn't done that? Oh, oh, oh yeah. No, I, had, I had been reading you know, spiritual metaphysical books for, for a lot of years. Uh, all kinds of, uh, you, you know, there's all kinds of different answers. Uh, some of the stuff, you know, would, would seem to feel right, others not. Um, and I, I sort of was uh, trying to figure out you know, which is the, the definitive answer on all this, if there is one. Um, so, I, so I had read a lot of the books, but none of them sort of uh, hit home with the answers like uh, Albert did in our conversation. He sort of brought it all together and sort of, you know, all the different little truths that I found here and there um, in, in, you know, from other authors. And he sort of just brought it all together and summed it up nicely and made me feel like, okay, here's the package that, uh, that you can uh, go with and... Uh, a package you could you can d- deliver to others in your book. So, but uh, you you'd been looking had, had you read early communications, um, William Tate and Moses, uh, early nineteen early twentieth uh, century, late nineteenth century stuff. Had you been reading that? Uh, you mean sp- spiritual books? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd read quite a few books actually, and I and and I, I but I hadn't really found anything that that sort of. Uh, totally sort of give me the picture, give me little tidbits here and there that, that seemed to make sense. Uh, um, but I was still, still not quite convinced that anyone had given me the right answers until Albert came along, and then he sort of, as I said, put it all together in a nice little package for me. 
Now, Albert said Albert said he was one of your spirit guides, and that you had three. Um, this is when, when, uh, just to tell you a little bit more about what I've done because I had some experiences of light in childhood. I spent decades reading communications, most of them early 20th century, um, some of them very detailed because they were received through either automatic writing or deep trance mediums, and they were all perfectly consistent. But of course, you've got questions. Uh, they don't necessarily have answers in that particular thing you're reading, so you've got to read a ton of this stuff, and I read it for decades, and it all came together in a picture. Um, and But that's if you haven't done that research, then... It, 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 put it together little, little bits by little bits. And if you've been reading primarily spiritual books, then, um, you know, that reassures me that what you, what you did wasn't just a compilation of what you had read elsewhere. Um, because I, at this point, when I read this kind of thing, um, I'm looking to have it resonate with what I already know because I already know this stuff. And I've everything I've read, there are only two things, and I want to talk to you about them specifically, in your whole book, they're inconsistent with what I've come to know from all these other communications to be true. And they're not big things. But it's interesting to me that you're so, so accurate, or Albert is so, so accurate on, on you know, 99% of it. And then there are these two differences. And whenever you find those two differences, it's kind of fun because you, you could sort of explore maybe there's something that uh, others haven't told us, uh, that here's a little new wrinkle. It's important that people understand that Albert um, and, and other of, of our spirit guides are just like us. There are people who have been in bodies. Albert is someone who was in Garnet's life uh, in other lifetimes, and they're very close eternal friends. So he doesn't know a whole lot more. He knows more, but he doesn't know everything. One of the things people hope for or expect when there's an actual communication from a dead person is that they're magically completely enlightened. It's not true. Um, they, they know more because they have access to all of their memories of other lifetimes. And the perspective is a lot better from there than it is from where we are. We're sort of too close to it. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's a, this is an easy book to read. It's a fun book to read. Albert is cheeky. Um, he do, he's irreverent. And um, it, it's it's fun. This is a anyone who's looking for this information in an easy, quick, simple way. Um, dancing on a stamp is a very good place to go for that information. You've gotten excellent Amazon reviews. I'm not surprised because it is so easy to read. Um, so, what most surprised you about what he had to say? What surprised me the most, uh, um, Roberta, was the fact that he said that. No one on earth, no one in a human body dies by accident. He says we die when our souls decide it's time to leave. And so that's a, I sort of shook my head at that a bit because, it, you know, you can read in the news or hear in the, on the news reports about, you know, a plane crashing with 300 people all dying or accidents on the freeway. And it, and it sort of seems like, well, that's, that's an accident. That's, nobody could have known that was coming or, or in any way planned that. And he said, well, no, because every one of those 300 people on that plane, every one of those souls had decided that that was the yep. time to exit, and they chose that as the, as the way of exiting their incarnations. And so that was a big surprise to me. And it, so it's one, true. One, yes, one, it's one, true. Of the thing, one of the things I said to him then was, well, okay, you've, you've told us that we're all here and we all have free will to act, and we don't, we don't remember what we put in our life plans before we're born. 
so with all these people running around exercising their free will and I'm exercising my free will, how, how can you sort of uh, prevent sort of some uh, unanticipated event happening that might take your life when your soul's not ready? And he said, oh, well, but the, um, we have guardian angels, and the guardian angels are there to make sure that we don't uh, end up yes. in a situation where our, our bodies die before we're ready. And so they'll See, actually physically intervene if necessary to prevent us from dying before our souls are ready to go. So you have no idea is, how long it took me to put this together. What you just said, if yeah. you're if you're doing it the hard way, not reading your book, but instead piecing it together from original stuff in the early 20th century, took me more than a decade to put that together. But it's correct, um, yeah, based I, on I, everything I, I, I've read, with one wrinkle. I have yeah. read that accidental death is possible. It's just very, very rare. Um, there, there are there are reported cases from dead people of and I, the only ones I've read about have been auto accidents, and I've read about two uh, of them where it wasn't a planned exit point. What happens then is that there's nobody there to welcome you. Um, and, and sometimes you actually are, are pulled out more, really later. As he points out, and again, it's true, based on everything I've read, um, if you're about to die in an auto crash and it's going to be a you know kind of an awful, painful one, you're, you're not in your body when the crash happens. The body goes through it. The body may seem to be in pain. The person isn't in it. If you have a truly accidental death, and maybe 0.08% of us apparently can have that happen, you don't have the people waiting to welcome you. Um, and what I, what I say in my book, um, uh, The Fun of Dying, is if you find you're alone and you see your body, you're probably dead, call for help. Um, there was, there was, no, really, this is what you're supposed to do, say, help, I don't seem to be in a body anymore. Um, what, Where one is woman everybody? Who, right, what, one woman who had that happen said that, that, I think she, if I recall correctly, she said Jesus came and apologized that nobody was there. So she got an intervention from the big kahuna, um, but she, but somebody came. We have to let them know that basically there's a, like anything else, any other system, glitches are possible. But he's absolutely right that we plan our lives. We plan two or three exit points into our lives. Um, and, uh, we are higher consciousness, which he calls the soul. People call, people, have many different terms but for the same thing most of us most of the person that you are is not in your body or attached to it he calls that the mind i call the whole thing the mind but it doesn't really matter terms don't matter um the 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 higher consciousness or soul whatever is is not in the body makes a decision Hmm. we've we've it usually makes a decision in consultation with you when you're out of body when you're asleep again something albert was right about and um, and you all say, you know, it's time because um, I'm not really enjoying this life. I'm not going to learn much more from it. And I've just got something else I want to do here. And you all decide. Okay, so then you, you get on that plane or you get in the car and your life plan coincides with other people's life plans and you die. And it's not an accident. People who die of cancer have chosen that death. Um, and they choose it usually for uh, reasons of spiritual growth. Um, one of the people who died that way was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she communicated, who was one of my great heroes, and she communicated to her family after her death, much as she hated the process, and she kept railing at God. She knew where she was going. You know, get me out of here. I'm, I don't need this. 
After her, her death, she told her children that had been a crucial part of that life, that she went through that and that she had those experiences. But Albert's right on. Um, we're, we're <laughs> um, we have no clue. Most people have no idea. Uh, the things that are in your book, most people have no conception of them, and yet we've been hearing these truths from the dead for more than 100 years. Um, we're going to take just a quick break, and when we come back, we're talking about a couple of places where I don't agree with Albert. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Our guest is the wonderful Garnet Schulhauser, and we'll be right back. If you want to know more about what really happens when we die, or if you're just curious about some of the things discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the friendly seekers at AfterlifeForums.com. Roberta Grimes administers a growing community in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. It really is possible to know the truth. Give yourself the gift of understanding. Share your thoughts with people who are eager to listen. Finally, get your big questions answered. Afterlifeforums.com The truth about your own eternal nature turns out to be even more wonderful than your most optimistic hopes. When Roberta Grimes studied the afterlife evidence, she learned a lot more than what happens when we die. She also discovered that we actually are perfectly loving, eternal beings. To help us explore who we really are, she's begun a multi-generational fictional saga that she calls Letters from Love. Letter from Freedom and Letter from Money begin the series, and Letter from Wonder is due in the fall. They read like fantasy romance, but they are the glorious truth. Also, enjoy Roberta's My Thomas, the beautiful tale of Thomas Jefferson's marriage. Her new novel, Rich and Famous, is a romance set in the go-go 80s. Check out robertagrimes.com to learn more. Knowing the truth about our eternal lives changes everything. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with Garnet Schulhauser about his book, Dancing on a Stamp, which is a, rec- a record of his com- conversations with his spirit guide. Um, and I am frankly offered a lot of books, a lot of authors. Um, I usually don't want to talk with, with them on my radio show, and I often don't request books. Um, Garnet and I did, I think, a little communication back and forth, and I was curious, and I, I read his book. Um, it's probably the best or one of the best summaries of this information, um, which I had to learn the hard way, uh, that I've seen. I, it's a wonderful little book, and it's easy and fun to read it. I, re- I read it in an afternoon yesterday and with my feet up and enjoyed it immensely. Um, there, here are the two places where I don't agree based on what I've learned, and I'm just wondering how we can reconcile it. Garnet said, uh, I mean, uh, Albert says we don't eat, or we don't need to eat, we don't need to drink, we don't need to breathe. He's right based on everything else I've read. We don't need to eat, we don't need to drink. Many of the uh, dead will, soon after they die, 
um, in fact, choose to eat. And you can. You could choose to drink. You just your body that you have there doesn't need uh, nourishment, and therefore it goes nowhere. It kind of disappears. It's illusory food. Um, but but many of the early twentieth century communicators said that we do breathe. Um, that the air actually there is air and it's actually nourishment i've read more than one saying that's how are those bodies are nourished by breathing i just don't know what that why he i don't understand the difference i don't that, that's that's one thing and the fact that i'm talking to you about a nuance in your book to me is amazing as well because it's so much of it is so perfectly right have you discussed breathing with him other than that one time no, we didn't get into it in any depth. I, I just basically asked him, like on the spirit side, what do we, you know, do we have to, you know, eat, drink, breathe, and so on. And he said no. Didn't get into it any uh, great, to any great okay. extent. Okay. Uh, no, I, I could maybe explore the breathing part with him. What, what he led me to believe was that we uh, basically absorb energy from uh, the universe uh, when we're on the spirit side, which may be similar to what your your commentators are That's saying right. when they're breathing. And so uh, we didn't get into it in any detail. So, I'll, I, but actually, I'm going to explore that with Albert the next time I uh, that would contact be great. with him to find out. But uh, so, yeah, so I don't let, think let me know what he says because I'm really curious. But my supposition is that he was focusing on the eating and drinking and thinking about something else, and he may not have separately focused on breathing. So that that makes that I'm comfortable with that answer. Yeah, yeah and, and, also, and he, did say, he, he did say actually that people can eat and drink if they choose to when they're over there because they enjoy that on Earth and they'll just do that for a while and then they'll yes. they'll just do away with it because it's really it's a, it's a non-event sort of. Yeah, they they don't they don't need it and and they come to not miss it after. A lot of what happens to us right after death is the gentlest possible process of weaning us away from the things of earth. They don't, there's, there's no hurry because there's no time there. And again, you're right about that. And so uh, you can take as much or as little time as you like to um, do the things you did on earth. And, uh, and, and that, but that, all right, that, that explains about breathing. I have come to think it's optional that breathing is a way to get life sort of sustaining nourishment to sort of nourish that body but the energy does come from the universe one thing people tell us is it comes from plants so they'll they'll stick their face into a rose or something and they get wonderful energy from not just it's not just a smell but energy itself comes from the plants um but that's uh, that explains that all right i i please do ask him and let me know what he says oh here's the other thing um he talks about and I get this question fairly often. Reincarnation does happen, although because there's no objective time, in some way we cannot begin to fathom, all our incarnations are apparently happening at the same time. But um, one of the things he says is that some very, very young souls can choose to be incarnated as animals in the beginning. I've never seen that anywhere else. Um, I'd love to ask you, have you asked him about that as well, because it, it that, that's, the, that's the other thing that struck me funny for in your book. And again, it's such a tiny thing. Well, well yeah, he was, uh, um, it, it started off by, uh, uh, I was just curious myself because I, I had actually read other uh, uh, commentators who had said that, yeah, it's possible for us to incarnate as animals. So I asked him about that. Uh, I said, you know, do animals have souls? And, he, and his short answer was, you need only look into the eyes of your little dog to find your answer. Yes. Uh, yeah. He said. He said yes. The animals do have souls, and uh, and and when we choose, as souls, when we choose to incarnate on Earth, we can 
sometimes we'll start off uh, as animals because that's an easier sort of life to, to, to live, uh, not as complex as human life, and then we sort of move on up and become humans. He said, but it's, it's totally our choice. Some souls come and just say, I'm going to start off as a human, and others sort of start off more gradually and work their way up the ladder. It's entirely up to the soul. But, yeah, animals uh, do have souls. And, and, in fact, he said, uh, as I said in my book, when, you're, when I uh, die, part of my welcoming party likely will be one or more of my pets just because it would be yes. comforting to me. Oh, that's common. They, they, they would just appear as, as, as they did uh, you know, in animal form initially just to help me on the transition, and then they'll just go back to their, uh, their normal sort of uh, energy form as a soul. But, yeah. One of the things that um, a lot of the early 20th century communicators said was that animals have a purer form of spirituality than we do. Ours is more complex. Um, theirs is different in kind. And that they, animals that have never been in contact with human beings, um, return to what is, they, th- they call a group soul, an undifferentiated soul or, or, or spirit. Whereas those that have been loved by people of any species, whether, you know, circus animals, doesn't matter, horses, um, and dogs and cats, if they've been loved by people, they are waiting for us there. Um, young and healthy, and we have them for as long as we want them. And if we don't want them anymore, they'll go back to their own um, uh, group soul. That's a, that's a subtle difference, and there probably isn't a difference there. It's just the perception, um, Albert's perception, and the perception of, of early 20th century communicators on one truth, which is that the animating spirit of an animal is also of mind, Mind being the only thing that really exists. Um, I don't call it God because God has negative connotations for a lot of people. Um, but they're, they're of that as well. So, you know, yes, when you look into the eyes of your dog, you can see that there's, there's an entity there that's, a, a, that's real and loving and purer in, in many ways than human entities um, really are. But, but I mean, it, it's not really much of a difference, I don't think, because in reality, all souls, whether it's human souls or or, or souls in, in animals or wherever, we're already part of the source, part of the creator. We're just yes. different aspects of of the source. So in, in a way, we're all we're all sort of part of the one, and, and yes. so we just uh, differentiate ourselves as souls in through different physical entities, and that's probably a good way of describing it. So, so you didn't. You, you you understood and accepted what he was telling you as this was going on. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, no. He he he, he was very good. I mean, he, he got sometimes he found it difficult to put what he wanted to say into human words into English for me to understand. But he was very good at doing analogies and trying to help me understand it. So yes, I, I, not necessarily in the first crack, but but I eventually understood what he was saying. And it and it uh, it really made a lot of sense to me. And he was giving it to me in that fashion because he said that his message he wanted me to to, to make it easy to read and understand by all people. And so he didn't give me a lot of complex esoteric philosophical yes. concepts. He was speaking very plainly to me, just like uh, as I say in my book, like two friends chatting over a beer. That's the way yes. he wanted to come across, and uh, and that's the way I I took his answers and I try to portray that in the book. What, what seems to be happening is that an effort is being made, a really serious effort on, on the highest levels, to raise our consciousness. This is, 
you know, as he points out, and it's true, if we knew all this stuff and we we so we wouldn't take seriously the lessons. It's like, you know, telling uh, a kid when he goes to school, it doesn't matter whether you study or not, you're going to get all A's and you're going to end up having a wonderful future. We have to tell our kids, you've got to work. And and they are trying, you know, to have us do the work. But what we're told is that because the the life on Earth has become much more dangerous since the atomic bombs were exploded during the Second World War, they've been retarding our weapons development. Again, this is what we're told. Who knows? They've been retarding our weapons development while they tried to sort of jumpstart our consciousness, raise us to a higher level of awareness and understanding and love so we won't blow up the planet. Um, I don't know if that's true, but there's, if you think about it, there hasn't been much in terms of technological development um, you know, since then. I mean, we've got computers, we've got the Internet, but they haven't come up with ever more spectacular weapons um, since the Second World yeah, War, really, at all. There is some truth to that. Uh, in fact, there's, uh, there's more discussion about that than I have with Albert about sort of the, this crucial point in human civilization. It's, it's in my second book, which will be published sometime this year. Um, and and uh, it basically says, yeah, that, that, that uh, our extraterrestrial friends are trying to uh, help us over this hump, so to speak, and, and uh, we're getting a lot of help from, the, from Spirit, who's sending uh, more and more souls who are trying to come here to give everyone else the message that we need to expand our consciousness to raise our yeah. vibrations, uh, to get up to the, a lot of commentators call it the new earth, uh, you know, earth in a higher dimension, and that's clearly where we're supposed to go. And it's crucial right now because they're concerned that we're at the stage where we can, of course, blow ourselves up and everything else on this world, um, and, and they're really trying to stop that, uh, but, but they're not allowed to directly interfere. I mean, it would be easy for them just to say, we're going to destroy all the, all the weapons you have, but they're not allowed to do that, so they have to sort of work with us to try to yes. get us to realize where we need to go so that we can get there before we uh, do something horrible to, the, to our planet. Yeah, the the uh, the anecdotes, and again, I, I these are merely anecdotes. There's a, there's an anecdote that um, there was a planet in the solar system which evolved the way we have. There, there. Um, our problem is that our sort of ability to fight evolved faster than our spiritual ability uh, uh, as a as a, a group of uh, beings, um, and this this other planet evolved that way too. They became very very uh, materially advanced and their weapons became very advanced and they were still pretty clueless spiritually and they ended up destroying their planet. That happened at least once. We're told. I have no idea if it's right. But if that did happen once, you could understand why they would look at us and kind of wince and say, we better, we better make the kids clean up their act because uh, this is a very useful planet. Um, Albert says, among the many little things he says that I have seen elsewhere and most people don't talk about, is that uh, this is a, a considered one of the toughest, if not the toughest, places for spirits to evolve. Um, there, are, there though, Everybody who has chosen to evolve on this planet spiritually has chosen um, a tough road, but a, but a good one. It's like you've, you're one of the Marines, uh, you're, you're special forces, you're um, you're, you 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 aren't afraid of the extra challenges here. Um, I've seen uh, re- reports again anecdotally that when you meet people who have evolved on other planets on the other side, when you when you meet them, just their knowing. It's just like if you watched a marine walk into a bar, you'd you'd respect him because you know he's been through a lot and he's tough as nails. And apparently that's how they look at us, which 
I think it's kind of amusing. When I give talks, I tell people we're the Marines of the universe, and they they tell us that's probably true. And Albert kind of says that. Um, yeah, he does. He, he, he admitted that that the schools are really a tough school, uh, if not the one of the certainly one of the toughest in the universe. Main yes. reason is because we don't remember what we put in our life plans, and yet we still have free will to do take actions and make decisions while we're here. So we're kind of stumbling along a bit blindly. Uh, we get guidance from our spirit guides, but we don't always hear it. And so we, we sort of left to, in some ways to sort of flounder and, and learn our lessons. And, 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 and some of the lessons on Earth are quite tough. I mean, Earth is not a, a walk in the, in the park. It's a, it's a, it's a tough, you know, tough life for a lot of people. It's very um, tough. And, and so, it, but we put ourselves here because we knew it was a tough school and we knew there'd be hard lessons to learn. Um, and, and, and you're right. So we're basically very courageous souls for coming here. And we should all pat ourselves on the back for being, uh, for being so brave. Uh, but yes. we came here deliberately to learn some tough lessons. And, and, I, and I, I don't doubt, he didn't say anything about the recognition on the spirit side, but I don't doubt that, that uh, <laughs> people would, 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 would regard you as the Marine walking into the bar when you, when you come back from a life. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, funny for an old grandmother to think of that, but that's, that's in fact apparently how we're all seen there. Um, one of the things that, that um, really struck me about this was the way he kept coming back to the thing that most people, I think, worry about. Um, w- 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 he said, well, it doesn't really matter, because in the end, when you die, you're going to come right back to where you are living your whole life. In fact, he said, and it's also true, that a lifetime here is so brief where they're concerned that you almost it doesn't almost even interrupt the life you have there. Um, time is very different there. They don't experience it the same way. I remember one communication where someone said, well, where is so-and-so who had been through, been in their family? They were talking to a deep, through a deep transmedium to someone who had recently died. And he said, oh, she's here, but she's doing a lifetime on earth now. So she's sitting on a bench, which, which was, which is arresting, but that's apparently what it feels like when you, that's how brief our lives are here and how little they matter in our eternal lives. We should add two. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, Albert agrees. He, he basically described it as being a life on Earth is like a blink of an eye on the spirit yes. side. Yes, yes. It's a very brief interlude. One of the things that I think it's important to say, too, is when we talk about how tough life is, the hardest lives they tell us, the ones that are scariest to enter, are the ones where people are going to be very wealthy, very famous, distracted in various very successful because those people are having those people have a tough tough spiritual challenge if life is easy for you if you're very wealthy if if you have if you have advantages other people don't have um your your spirit is basically being challenged to understand that you are you and they are the same being you're all we're all the same and i this is you have to give everything away but to make your life revolve around just yourself can set you back spiritually eons and eons um which frankly finding that out was kind of a hit up the side side of the head for me too because my life hasn't been that hard and uh i it 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 makes you stop and think it makes you less materialistic to understand how trivial material stuff is there and and how um how eternal that life is and how trivial this whole whole ridiculous scheme is i mean it works for spiritual growth but we take it so much too seriously. Yeah, yeah we do. And, he was, and, and that's why Albert was kind of uh, 
uh, you know, cheeky and irreverent yes. a lot of times during the conversation. He just basically said, no, you take this too seriously. He said, look, it's like you're in a big play. You're acting on a play in your incarnation on earth. And it, and it doesn't matter if you, if you mess up or if you miss your lines or you take a wrong turn, because you're always going to end up back here on the spirit yes. side. And, and, and you'll, you'll learn from every life, even if, you, even if you didn't learn all the lessons you intended, you're still going to learn something. And you can keep on going back. Like it's, there's no timetable, there's no deadline. You can go back as often as you want. So, so, so don't take it so seriously. It's not, it, it's not a, 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 pardon the pun, a matter of life and death of what we do on earth because we always end up back in the spirit side. So, you know, he said, like, lighten up, enjoy the ride, try to figure out what the lessons you're, you're supposed to learn and learn from it. And, uh, yes. you know, you'll come back and you'll be able to analyze what you did. And uh, if you miss something, well, you go back again. And, and, and he's right. I mean, uh, you're right about the fact that, you know, our minds here on earth think that, uh, uh, you know, material wealth like you know, big houses and cars and lots of money is really the way to go. But, but you know, Albert says you know on the spirit side that's totally uh, doesn't have any meaning at all. Like it's, it's oh. there's, there's no relevance at all to that material stuff, and you can't take anything with you. So you end up back in the spirit side. So you know, when when you die and when Prince Charles dies, you all end up back in the same place. You know, not taking anything with you. You're you're all just a soul on the spirit side. So the, the material wealth here is. Uh, is nothing uh it's a handicap that's what that's yeah. what um i i have read people who thought they were ready for that life and tried it and we're talking again a hundred years ago and they were you know in the golden age they they had a really lucky life it it they said afterwards i wish i had not tried it i was not ready for it yet my spirit was not advanced enough to take the hardest possible lesson of all, which is how do you maintain your, your path toward love and spiritual perfection when you have all these distractions? We're, we're going to, when we come back from this next break, we're going to talk about the next book. Meanwhile, this is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. You are an eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really understand that, it will change everything in your life. Our guest today is Garnet Schellhauser, and we'll be right back. If you want to know more about what really happens when we die, or if you're just curious about some of the things discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the friendly seekers at AfterlifeForums.com. Roberta Grimes administers a growing community in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. It really is possible to know the truth. Give yourself the gift of understanding. Share your thoughts with people who are eager to listen. Finally, get your big questions answered. Afterlifeforums.com The truth about your own eternal nature turns out to be even more wonderful than your most optimistic hopes. When Roberta Grimes studied the afterlife evidence, she learned a lot more than what happens when we die. She also discovered that we actually are perfectly loving, eternal beings. To help us explore who we really are, she's begun a multi-generational fictional saga that she calls Letters from Love. Letter from Freedom and Letter from Money begin the series, and Letter from Wonder is due in the fall. They read like fantasy romance, but they are the glorious truth. Also, enjoy Roberta's My Thomas, the beautiful tale of Thomas Jefferson's marriage. 
Her new novel, Rich and Famous, is a romance set in the go-go 80s. Check out robertagrimes.com to learn more. Knowing the truth about our eternal lives changes everything. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with Garnet Schulhauser, and you and Albert have been busy. Tell us about your next book. Well, uh, it started, uh, it was last summer, and uh, I had uh, been in, in telepathic communication with Albert off and on, and then he kind of disappeared for a while. And he had told me when I was writing Dancing on a Stamp that I had to write, you know, three or four more books. So I wanted <laughs> to get going on book two. Yeah, I mean, he's, I've learned, long since learned, Roberta, that you don't argue with spirit because they're always going to win. Oh, amen. So, so, <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I thought I should get going on the second book, but I needed some input from him. I mean, he's my, uh, I'm just his messenger. So uh, I hadn't heard from him for a while, and then all of a sudden he appears in my bedroom one night in astral form. And I just, I, I sort of just woke up and I heard a noise, and there his shimmering image slowly, you know, came into 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 focus. And there was Albert as the, as the homeless man, and he said, you know, um, come with me. I want to take you on a trip and show you some things so you can write about it. Um, and I said, well, you know, where are we going and how, you know, how can I, I can't just leave and leave my wife uh, and not tell her where I'm going. He said, no, no, you're coming in an astral form. And so he, he literally sort of grabbed my hand, pulled my astral body out of my physical body, and away <laughs> we went. And so wow. we, had a, we had a series of, of other body, I had a series of other body adventures with Albert as my guide. And we'd go and, and see various things, every one of which had a lesson for me. And then, then he would bring me back and I would drop back into my body. And the next morning I'd just wake up like, like normal. But I had retained very vivid and lucid memories of my trips. And so he took me to the, took me to the spirit side where I met up with my, uh, my deceased parents. Um, we went and saw the Council of Wise Ones for some advice. He took me to a couple of planets in the galaxy to, to meet some of the extraterrestrials who uh, had been uh, watching and helping human development. Um, and I, I got to view uh, um, some, a civilization in the New Earth where they had actually ascended, raised their vibrations, so they're up into another dimension on Earth. It, it was a very idyllic uh, civilization. That's what he said we need to be shooting for is to get up there where these other humans are. Um, but, and but, but I also was got it was on this earth, or was it on this earth? Well, it, it, were it, you in it, the future? No, not in the future. Present day, but in a higher dimension. So earth but on exists, this planet? Yes, it exists in several different dimensions, and we're at one of the lowest vibration levels in, our, in this earth. Okay. But there is earth in a higher vibration level, which we can't see or feel. But it's, uh, and in order for humans to get there, you have to, we have to raise our own vibratory rates to match that of the, of the higher vibration rate earth and, and yes. so it's, so it, it is our planet but a different and it exists simultaneously with our current with the one we're living on right now that's interesting and, and this this civilization that actually managed to raise you know altogether raise their vibration rates uh, and moved up to the what he called the new earth um and there it was uh, you know there was no negativity no negative emotions and people right. just lived in peace and harmony and uh, it was great it was wonderful and i also and got so- to see Sorry. No, go, go ahead. And, and he also took me to uh, on the spirit side to the visit the Akashic records in in the Hall of Records, which 
the Kashuk records, as you know, are, uh, record the history of every life in the universe that has ever lived. Uh-huh. Um, right. And I got, to, I got to see some of my past lives, segments of it, w- w- which had a sort of a lesson for me and, and for, I guess, for other people as well, which is really quite interesting. Um, that was designed to show me and, and, and the readers the fact that um, we, we can really cause a lot of harm to other people when we act and say things yes. without really thinking about its effect. And he really right. wanted to show us that we have to be more sensitive to the, the feelings and the needs of other people, other people, other animals around us in our, in our planet. And um, it, the, the, the whole book, the thrust of the book is really, uh, you know, humanity, we need, to, we need to discard our negative emotions, uh, embrace love and compassion, and, and expand our consciousness. And we need to do that together uh, so that we can, you know, climb up the vibratory ladder. And we need to do that before, as I said uh, earlier, before we destroy ourselves. And so yes. uh, the, the, the whole thing was a sort of like a, a wake-up call for humans that, that look at this. We're doing a lot of bad stuff out there. We, we abuse Mother Earth. We abuse animals. We abuse each other. And we need to stop that. We need to stop that and focus on love and compassion so we can, we can make the transition. It, 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 that's beautiful. When will this come out? Um, well, it, 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 I don't have the exact timetable yet, but probably it'll be released sometime this fall. I signed the publishing contract about a month ago with my publisher, and so it, it just takes a while to go through all the editing and, and the formatting right. and so on. Yeah, but it, it, uh, I'll, I'll post news on my Facebook page when, uh, when I have a better handle on the timing. What, what's, your, what's the title? The, the, the title is Dancing Forever with Spirit. Dancing Forever with Spirit. So dancing yeah. on a stamp and then dancing forever with spirit. And the, the, the title, Dancing on a Stamp, is a little bit, um, a little bit <laughs> resting. Um, it, but it, Albert uses it to, as, a, as an analogy. We're in this great, big, glorious ballroom with so many places. We can just spread our, our arms and dance and sing and go all over the ballroom, and we're dancing on a little stamp. We have no awareness of, of all the possibilities that are, there are for us right on earth. Um, and he, he was encouraging us to learn spiritually, to grow spiritually, to not be so afraid of using the whole ballroom. We take it, as he says, way too seriously. And I thought that, was, that made sense. So that, now, I, then I, now I understand why you, you called it that. Um, but So in this next book, you're going to be talking, Albert will be talking about how we can use um, what's around us now to, and, and this extra knowledge, which is coming from a lot of sources, I mean, it's coming from everywhere, uh, because everybody is going to be basically spoken to by a different person in a different way. We all learn differently. But in your next book, you'll be talking about how we, in, in our still in our bodies, can be learning to raise our own spiritual vibrations and use our lives. Maybe it could be your last lifetime. You may not, maybe not even need to come back if you really use it to raise your spiritual vibration. And that's what he's going to be talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he, he's really trying to get us to, to sort of focus on what's really important. And what's not important are all the material things and, and you know, jobs and houses and that sort of thing. And that we need to focus on um, raising our vibrations, expanding our consciousness, and becoming more spiritually aware. And he tells us we have to, you know, one of the best ways to do that is through meditation. 
where we, we quiet our minds and get try to get rid of most of the other thoughts that clutter our minds and try to listen to what our guides are saying and telling us and, and, and listen to our, the whispers in our mind and our intuition and, and to follow that because if we follow that, um, then we can learn gradually to discard our negative emotions so that when something happens to us in life, instead of reacting in a negative fashion, we react in a positive fashion and say, okay, there was a lesson there for me. Um, I need to learn from that lesson and move on and, and, and carry on. And, and if we do that, we'll have a happier life um, and we'll be more spiritually aware. And if we, and if we can do that individually, uh, then we can also try to help our fellow humans do the same. And eventually, if we do it all right, everyone on this planet will be moving up the vibratory ladder and, and, uh, and increasing their uh, spiritual awareness. So that's, that's really the goal, the, the, the message he was trying to get across. Um, and, and I think he did very well. He, he did it by, you know, his view, he said, that, you know, the old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. So yes. in the first book we were just discussing, where it was a dialogue. Here he was taking me places to actually show me um, right. the, the, things that were, the things that were wrong and that needed to be fixed and how to fix them. And, then, and he showed me the civilization on the new earth where this is what you can enjoy, humans, if you get your act together and, and, and increase your uh, spiritual awareness. And so it was quite of a, it, it, sort of an eye-opener for me. And, and it, but he clearly wanted to get a message across to everyone. And, and speaking of messages, he, uh, you're, you're very right. He said that there's really a full-court press in terms of the spirit side to get the message out in many different ways through many different channels. So I'm just one of the little channels that, yeah, that they chose. We're, we're, there's, there's each many of us is a little... Right. Yeah. Well, each is a little pixel on this enormous screen, and um, it's to, it's a great joy to be chosen to be one of those pixels. I mean, you're blessed that you're chosen to do that, and and I know it's courageous when you've got this, you know, normal life um, coming out to the people around you with the truth can be very difficult. So well, I give you credit for that. Well, thank you. I mean, it, it was an easy decision because uh, the, all the people who knew me as a lawyer uh, had no idea that this this kind of stuff could come out of me. Uh, and so a lot of them are very surprised. Some have uh, basically ignored me, uh, which I expected, and others have been very good. But it was a, it was a tough decision. As, as my friend Sherry Cortland says, a decision to come out of the spiritual closet is not easy. Yes. And I totally I, agree I, with Garnet, that. I'm a lawyer too, I'm a, and I'm still practicing law. When I first came out with the fun of dying, um, I had to come, come out, literally, to each of my clients. I didn't lose any, but there were some who sort of swallowed hard and they went right on to it with, with, with the meeting as opposed to <laughs> asking questions. Others, others have, have read my book and, and, you know, they like the fact that I have this more interesting sidelight. But you're right, it's very difficult. Um, the, 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 the approach you're taking works. The, I, I think for a lot of people, I seem to be driven to try to um, tell people concretely what the after, to convince them that the afterlife is really the real life and to give them this information in as many ways as possible. I'm working with people now who are um, working on spirit communication in a very direct way because when everybody can talk to the recently deceased loved ones. There will be no possibility for science to continue to stonewall this information. So um, there are, I, I, I'm sure you're coming in contact too with a lot of people who are working on the same gigantic picture and each is a pixel. And um, all the different ways in which spirit is working to get this, this message out through people, uh, it's, it's thrilling to be part of this, to be a, a little, little bit of it. It's thrilling. Well, and you're certainly a part of it too, Roberta, and, and, and uh, you know, like you and I and uh, so many other people in the world, we all have to do our part to get the message out 
and, and the more people who are saying the message, uh, there's a better chance that more and more humans will be listening to it and, 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 and try, to, try to walk the talk. It's just important that everybody understand that none of us is in charge. This is, this is a, a, a battle, which is being a war, which is being conducted far above our pay grade. And we are just the little foot soldiers. We do as we're told. And um, they're very actually considerate of us and the fact that we have to deal with, um, with life on Earth. But it's a wonderful experience. I'm so enjoying knowing you. I, I want to have you back in the fall to talk about your new book, or as soon as you know when it's going to come out. We'll talk about it even before it comes out and try to get more people to buy it. We're, we're coming to the end of our time, um, Garnet. But um, By the way, why, that's an unusual name for a man. Where did that come from? Is that a family name? My first name, you mean? Yes. Oh, um, no, I don't know. My mother picked it, and she couldn't really explain to me why or where she got it from. But, um, yeah, it is sort of unusual. Because you're, she sees you as a jewel. I'm sure that was why. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I'm Roberta Grimes. My books are The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens Next, and Four Novels. My Thomas is the story of Thomas Jefferson's beautiful marriage, very brief, very beautiful, his only marriage. Rich and Famous is just coming out. It's a coming-of-age novel set in the 80s. And my Letters from Love series talks about what I've learned in decades of studying the afterlife evidence about what we, what we are, what reality is, and what we can do to perfect uh, and, and, uh, and make this world. Again, a totally different approach to the same goal that, um, that Albert and Garnet have, which is uh, raising the elevation uh, of the vibration of the planet. Letter from Freedom and Letter from Money are out. Letter from Wonder will be out in the fall. And... My new book, The Fun of Staying in Touch, about communication from the dead, is due in August. Go to robertagrimes.com for more details. We've been talking with Garnet Chilhauser. His book, Dancing on a Stamp, is a must-read if you care about these things and you want to learn about them in a quick and easy way. You can do, in a quick afternoon, what it took me three decades to do, um, if you just read Dancing on a Stamp. Please join us next week. Our guest for the second time will be Maria Pay. She's a mother whose two young sons were murdered, but she is a great spirit. She then figured out how to have intense and beautiful encounters with them, and she's going to be a presenter at the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies Conference in July on New Developments in Afterlife Communication. Go to ASCSI.org for more information. And now go out and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are an eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are.